Welcome to this episode of the podcast, Guess What You're Gonna Hate. I'm Janine. And I'm Michelle. And this is a podcast about exposing someone to the very worst and sometimes best, but mostly worst pop culture of the 2000s. Hi there, Michelle Nicolaisen. How are you doing? I am good. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing just fine. So today you are our guest and you're here to talk to us about Bandits of the Acoustic Revolution. Would you like to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and the podcast projects that you do? So I joke around that I have too many side projects and it's very true. Um, (laughs) I do a a scripted audio drama. I'm the writer and created of Unplaced, uh, which is like a short form audio drama about a woman who wakes up one day and finds that she's invisible and no one can see her or hear her. And then I also do an actual play RPG podcast um, playing two different versions, uh, sort of a hacked version of a a Powered by the Apocalypse games that's like an alt-1920s urban fantasy thing, which sounds like a lot of words, but basically (laughs) it's uh, listening to people run around like alternate 1920s reality, but there's magic. It's fun. sounds like a lot of fun. It actually is a very, they're all very interesting projects that you have, and they're very good. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I will make sure that there's links to those in the show notes, so be sure to check that out, dear listeners. So today you wanted to talk about Bandits of the Acoustic Revolution. Why did you want to pick this topic? What interests you about it? Bandits of the Acoustic Revolution, I feel like it's just, it's really funny in retrospect because it's good music, but it's also like, just so pretentious. (laughs) It like really captures, I think, that sort of earnestness. So I grew up in like rural southwestern Missouri. Like my parents were still, when I moved out of the house at 18 years old, um, my parents were still on like 28.8 kbps dial-up internet. Like (laughs) we were out there. So it took like, I think when I downloaded this, I had to find it on Kazaa and then I had to download it like one song at a time. It was literally like we would set something to download before we went to bed, like one song. And then hope in the morning that it that the internet connection hadn't been interrupted in the middle of the night. I totally relate to you on that. We had dial up until at least like eighth grade. It was miserable. Yeah. And they're just, they're so far out in the woods. The internet is still not great. Every time I go visit my parents, I tell all my clients, I'm like, yeah, I'm basically going to be unreachable for a week. I can't do any video <laughs> calls because the internet is that bad. It was a side project of someone who was in a ska band um, named Catch-22. And then who later, I think is the timeline. I think the timeline is that he was in Catch-22. His name is uh, Thomas Kanalki. I think I'm saying that right. So he was in Catch-22, and then he left Catch-22, and he did Bandits of the Acoustic Revolution. And then he started Streetlight Manifesto, I think. But Bandits of the Acoustic Revolution is, like, sort of ska. It's kind of, like, acoustic ska slash punk, but with a lot of, like, influence from uh, classical and Eastern European music, too. And it's completely acoustic, which you might have guessed from the name. Mm-hmm. So... It ha- there's like 10, 20 members. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now, and it, it, it's probably like 15 people. I'm not going to count because that's bad audio. <laughs> but it's so many people, and the songs are like these really, I don't want to say like overwrought, but like very like grand sweeping sounding songs. And when they released the songs, they like, I guess, did a, uh, like the equivalent of self-publishing, but with uh, vinyl. And they sold out super fast. So for the longest, longest time, it was only available to download either through their website or like finding it on Kazaa. Um, according to Wikipedia, it was on their website. I, I distinctly remember having to download this through like Kazaa or LimeWire or something. <laughs> yeah, so it was just like, it was just this whole thing where it was like, 
I, I don't even remember how I found out about them through some like punk forum I was on probably and then I had to like go hunt this down and it was just like a journey and then I was listening to it and I was like what is this this is not like anything else like I liked it but I was just like this is so weird <laughs> uh so when you were talking about things from like you know the like early 2000s I was like oh man this is like I feel like this is like the most early 2000s thing I can think of because the whole just the whole thing and it came out in 2001 and they from what I was understanding because I did a little bit of poking around and I listened to the music and you're right it's really unique and every time I think they're going to go a certain direction they kind of just like throw you around yeah which is pretty cool and I was kind of reading about it because this is the only album that they have under the BOTAR name so Apparently, they were kind of like teasing new music all the time, but ended up releasing it under Streetlight Manifesto instead. But I can imagine that it almost seems like BOTAR has like a, a mythology around it, and especially in some of the punk and ska forums. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's so it's just it's so funny reading this whole thing because it's like, oh, as someone else who has because uh, Thomas has like a million things going on at any given time <laughs> is my understanding. And I was like, oh, this is, I was reading the Wikipedia page to make sure, because I was like, whatever happened to them? That they just released this, like, one thing? And, you know, I guess they originally, yeah, they said something about, like, he said in October 2006 interview that he had 30 songs written. <laughs> <laughs> and to date, we have just the first one. So I was, like, reading all of these updates, and I'm like, man, this is what I feel like with my side projects <laughs> sometimes. Just like, it's coming at some point, I promise. It, it's so it's such a yeah such a product of the time i actually looked around in the streetlight manifesto subreddit where some people talk about botar because you know the same kind of continuation of the project it was interesting because apparently they had a countdown of some sort on their website about a year and a half ago uh maybe more it's the timeline's not specifically clear because i'm catching up in like panicked reddit posts but like (laughs) they would have a countdown to something that people like oh my gosh they're gonna release a new album and everyone was really disappointed in what actually happened which as i if i'm clear i think what they did is they released music under streetlight manifesto instead they also like i think they just really liked trolling their fans for lack of a better word because like some of the updates on the subreddit are like the botar website has changed from mm-hmm to mm-hmm. like it's like i don't know what that means but okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah it kind of seems like that it's like it's this whole it's so funny it's like this whole thing i guess i guess they did do three live shows earlier this year it looks like the wikipedia page just says january in january so i'm assuming it was in 2018 but yeah, like it's just it's so bizarre. It was it was so bizarre reading this page because yeah, I think I found out about them, I wanna say through the punk rock domestics internet forum, which was like where I lurked. That's actually how I met one of my best friends who I'm still friends with like ten years later. Mm-hmm. Because I was like super into DIY stuff when I was in high school. Um, I like made all my own clothes and uh, that was how like that was how I discovered I discovered ska through like punk because they're so interlinked and then Mm -hmm. there was a music there was a music sub form of course there so somebody recommended this and I went on this like hunt so I probably didn't download it until like like 2005 2006 and at that point it was like that's actually come to think of it that's probably why it was so hard to find because they might have taken the links off of their site at that point Mm -hmm. but it was like I was talking about it with Connie who's my friend that I met through that forum and we were just like that's so like this is such 
like hipster nonsense. <laughs> like I had, yeah, like I had to like, de- it's like early 2000s, like punk hipster nonsense. It's like I had to download it and hopefully not infect my computer with viruses and then like burn it on a CD and then like make copies. My friends made copies of that CD because uh, I was like, you got to listen to this. It's so weird. I love it. Yeah. And I'm reading some of the reviews that came out at the time, like on punknews.org and on Sputnik Music. And not only is it a really unique sound, but apparently the case that it came in was constructed out of cardboard and tape. Very handmade looking. So I really do think it fits in a lot of those pretentious elements you were talking about. Yeah. In that same way, I mean, that's kind of... And even though punk and ska are supposed to be a rejection of this kind of ideology of, like, having everything packaged nicely and beautifully and meant for consumption, it seems like sometimes they flip it so hard that it just looks like you can only appreciate this if you're, like, the ultimate fan of punk and ska lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's, like, it's hard to say because by the time that I started listening to them, like... Streetlight Manifesto was like actively touring and stuff so at that point in time like they definitely had more money but it's one of those things where it's like like looking back it's like I can't tell how much of this was like actual DIY out of necessity and how much of it was like oh this is a cool Mm -hmm. aesthetic and it matches like what we're doing so let's do it yeah it's kind of hard to like look back at this now and figure out the intention because also like when I listened to it I was like oh okay this kind of reminds me of like Gogol Bordello and things like that, like that kind of music. And it, it's it's strange because now we're, what, six, 17 years removed from it? Yeah. So the context with the, in which it was really released is kind of muddled throughout that. Even you being a few years removed, at that point, it was kind of like, you know, what do you look at it in the context? And piecing that together now is hard because you know 2001 was still kind of early internet and not really that many people seem to have been talking about it in sites that are still up now yeah so the album that's released a call to arms it's only five songs long did you have a favorite from the album oh gosh i think um yeah my favorite this is also funny i'm gonna look up the lyrics um because it's definitely like that it's definitely something it's probably something that i like because it's a little too earnest like i like i said i grew up in like rural southwestern missouri and was I was just like constantly frustrated. I was this super weird kid. I was like always getting getting crap at school for being like too liberal. I got called a commie a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> so like when I so I was like uh, clearly like super into punk music. And I think my favorite was um, "Here's to Life," which was like I love I liked all the songs. I really like "Dear Sergio," and there's another one that I can't remember the name of right now. It might be the one. It, it might be the one with the really long name. That's like we provide the paint for the picture perfect masterpiece something something it's like a fallout boy song name yeah they provide the paint for the picture perfect masterpiece that you will paint on the insides of your eyelids yes that (laughs) (laughs) i like that one a lot because i listened to the album when you told me you wanted to talk about it and what i really enjoy about the album is even though it's only five songs long each of the songs really lead into each other very well yes and it's kind of a smooth listening experience because the whole album's maybe 19 20 minutes long and it's really something you can just kind of relax and listen to i I mean not really relax because you know it is upbeat music but kind of like i feel like it goes really well if you just kind of don't listen to it while you're like you know on your phone or whatever doing other stuff but just like focus on it and it's really you can really appreciate it yeah which makes me sound very pretentious saying that so (laughs) yeah it is i mean like it is really 
I really do think it's like genuinely good music. And I think, I think, I want to say Streetlight later covered Here's to Life. I don't know if it counts as covered if it's yeah. um, the same band, but with maybe like an extra verse or something. But yeah, I was like super into Here's to Life because because it was just like I was constantly frustrated and I feel like it. And, and you know, looking back, I'm like, wow, it's like Hemingway and Holden Caulfield, like extreme like hipster dude idols, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just like, I felt like it captured so much of the frustration that I had of like being like, like, tr- like knowing that there was something more out there in high school and like, but not being able to like get it. Yeah. Like talking about these creatives and it has what, what is probably still like one of my favorite lines, which is. And I don't know much, but I do know this with a golden heart comes a rebel fist and every single soldier wasn't. And I don't know much, but I do know this with a golden heart comes a rebel fist and I can't help agreeing with those that would not quit. And as, a, as, like, an angry 16-year-old in rural Missouri, I was like, fuck, yeah, that's what I'm about. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure they'd be happy to know they inspired those kind of feelings in teenagers. Because it's definitely, you know, what it, this kind of music seems to do. Even me listening to it now at 26, I was like, yeah, I would have loved this as a teenager. Like, I was definitely more on the indie side of music. Uh, not so much on punk and ska, but I can definitely see the appeal. And I think in some ways with the uh, BOTAR and the way you're kind of describing it as being like a a basis for a lot of people who were excited about that kind of music, uh, kind of reminds me of the To Do About Pavement, which is like a quintessential indie band, if you know them. They're kind of like laid the groundwork and they're very well, you know, revered now by critics and stuff like that. But it's kind of like an in joke with other indie people. It's like, oh, you're, oh, you're the kind of person who listens to pavement, huh? And thinks like everything's downhill from there. I, I kind of get the same vibe from reading about BOTAR. Yeah, yeah. And so I actually, so I just got curious because I was like, I wonder how old. So he went when um, this EP was released. Um, Thomas, the songwriter, was. 21 so that definitely makes a lot of sense because that's still in that like fairly like young angsty like pretty earnest and like I said like none of that is like super uh criticism because I like as a writer I'm I was talking about this with someone the other day I'm very bad with subtlety I am like I'm not someone who works in like overly complex metaphors um (laughs) and I am like a very like I am not like a cynical person. I'm I think I think I'm probably like a fairly earnest person. So that's not really like a criticism, but it's definitely like knowing that he was 21 when he wrote that or probably 20 when he wrote it. Maybe 19 even actually because um 1920 whatever. Anyways, knowing that he was like that age when he wrote it and that I was like 16 when I was listening to it makes so much sense like that gives a lot of context but i mean really for being made by people who are so young i don't know if all of them are around that same age but the actual artistry of this album is very impressive i think and even just from a first cursory listen through that i did earlier yeah i mean it really blends a lot of styles together in a way that's masterful so i can definitely see why people appreciate it but i think it's just kind of funny like the mythology that seems to surround it when i'm looking at the forums of people (laughs) freaking out about little changes to the website and by the way now the website for botar is just like a list of four links and it goes to their Facebook, their Instagram, their Tumblr. And that's basically it. Well, at least they have an Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. So. 
Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Michelle. I think everyone should check out this band because it definitely does fit a lot of that teenage mode from like the 2000s. And uh, yeah, let everyone know where they can find your projects online. Unplaced is at at Unplaced Podcast on Twitter and unplacedpodcast.com. Serendipity City, which is the actual play that I mentioned, is at serendipitypod on Twitter and serendipitypod.com. I can't remember. I need to like I need to have a spreadsheet, I swear to God. Um, I'm, I'm on Twitter at underscore shell shock, but it's shell like C-H-E-L-L-E shock. And I have like a landing page. I have so many projects that I have a landing page set up where you can see all of them at michellenicoliason.com if you're particularly curious about like the business writing yeah. or the novels or <laughs> any of the other things I have going. Basically, people should just tweet at you and say, hey, where can I find this? You're like, I've got it right here. <laughs> yeah, I have this covered in one of my projects, probably. <laughs> Okay, well, as always, you guys can find us online at hatepodcast.com, on Twitter at hatepodcast, on Facebook at Guess What You're Gonna Hate. And also, we are going to be getting some stickers in with our new cover art by Jamila Walgren. So if you haven't seen that yet, be sure to check out the new art. It's very nice, a little stack of VHS. We'll also be having stickers with those same images on it. If you're interested in having a sticker, all you have to do is write a review for guess what you're going to hate on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, anywhere you want to write a review and send a screenshot of that review to guess what you're going to hate at gmail.com along with your address and we will send you a little sticker. Thanks so much for listening and thanks for being here, Michelle. Yeah, thank you for having me.